When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Lee Dort and I'm down in Dunk. This is Lee Dort and I'm down in Dort. I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to Dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to Dunk. I'm Darius Baisley and I'm down to Dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to Dunk. This is Poku and I'm down to Dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and get the Athletic for $1 a month for six months. It's an outstanding deal. You probably won't even notice that $1 coming out of your account. And with that, you'll get great content and you can listen to this podcast ad-free so if you're just someone that hates ads, this is a deal for you. Uh, with me today, special guest, Nathan Grubel, who is the content manager at No Ceilings. You know him on Twitter at Draft Deeper. Nathan, what's up, man? I know I'm in a much more professional podcast space than mine. When I got the intro music going, we got the video <laughs> blare, and I'm sitting here like dancing in my seat. I'm like, all right, let's do this. But I'm, <laughs> I'm doing well, Andrew. Thanks for having me on the show. It's nice to, nice to finally meet you face to face. Yeah, this is great. Uh, we're one week away from the draft lottery, which brings about a lot of anxiety for Thunder fans. Uh, dare I say sports trauma. When it comes to Thunder fans and uh, what happened with the last lottery, the, uh, the Thunder have the fourth best odds going into it, and who knows? Who knows what will happen? It's a uh, it's a mystery. But if you are in Oklahoma City or in surrounding areas or want to drive in, we are having an event at the Jones Assembly in downtown Oklahoma City from six to nine p.m. You guys can join us there. It will it's the place to be because you need someone to match your energy your thunder psycho energy and it's going to be at the Jones assembly. Uh, Nathan, first question. Let's, uh, let's start pessimistic. Let's say the thunder things don't go well. Oh boy. And this is, I think this is where all of our hearts are right now is that we're just kind of expecting this. Let's say they land at seven and Shaden Sharp's gone. AJ Griffin's gone. Um, Keegan Murray's gone. And then like the top four guys are gone. Who of that next group do you like and who do you think would fit like an OKC type of player? Oh, man, you know what? I'm not even going to take credit for this one. I'm going to give credit for this one for my co-host over on Draft Deeper, Stephen Gillespie at Stephen G Hoops on Twitter. He has actually posed this to me. Okay. And it's something we've gone back and forth about. What if you're there at pick number seven, Dyson Daniels, Mm. from the G League United? He has actually brought it up to me. He thinks that he'd be a fit if you guys even get the number four pick. 
Oh my, that is spicy. That is about as spicy as it gets right there. It's a spicy take, but his line of thinking, I can, I I disagree with it from a philosophical standpoint, but I agree with his line of thinking in that he thinks that Dyson Daniels would fit like a glove with a lot of the personnel the Thunder currently have. And I, I don't disagree with him from that standpoint, because when you look at adding to the backcourt possibly in that spot or even down lower at number seven, for example, like you asked the question, like Jay Nivey, does he does he fit with the Thunder with the personnel they have right now? That's not the cleanest of answers. If some right. of those front court guys are gone, um, then you're looking at some other wings possibly, but Dyson Daniels is that connector piece. Another one of those guys, six, seven, long arms, we know can defend multiple positions, Thunder need defenders all over the floor. Um, and he's a really nice fit in between Shea and Giddy to just kind of keep the ball moving, keep the offense flowing for that team. I mean, he's he's a guy I, I would expect him to go in the top 10 on draft night. I have him as a top 10 prospect. So honest to God, Andrew, if that's where things fell and you guys kind of came away with him as a consolation prize, I wouldn't be sniffing at that one, man. I'd actually really like that for you guys. So tell us a little bit more about Dyson Daniels' game and his background so that people can get get a feel for who this guy is. Sure. So Australian Dyson Daniels played for the G League night this past year. And as a lot of the prospects for that team had, kind of like Jane Hardy, uh, Michael Foster, Marjan Beauchamp, they had an up and down first half of the year, but really second half of the year. When I say that, we're talking after the Vegas showcase. So for those exhibition games from January all the way through till beginning of March, a lot of those guys really started to find their rhythm, find their footing, playing against grown men, which that's that's a different experience than some of these college guys anyways. Like, they're in the G League tonight. They're playing against guys who are trying to feed their families, put food on the table, right? Like, it's a whole different experience than just playing in a college environment. So the fact that Daniels was able to make the improvements during the second half of the year that he did, um, play more point guard for that team, initiate out of the pick and roll, handle a lot of the ball movement responsibilities, but also score getting downhill, being a threat in transition. And then I think the biggest question mark that a lot of people had first half of the year was, could he knock down enough jump shots to be an offensive threat in the NBA? Second half of the year, really started answering those questions, was shooting near 40% from three-point range during that second half of the year stretch, was much more comfortable scoring off one, two dribble pull-ups in the mid-range when he was coming off of screens. He has enough of an offensive game for as young of a prospect as he is. I believe he'll be 19 on draft night to where you look at him and you say, okay, this guy's an intelligent piece. We know he's a connector. He fits all over the floor, arguably the best perimeter defender in the draft. And now you're telling me he has shot-making upside on the perimeter? That's that's a really, really enticing package to sell to any NBA team drafted in the lottery. What do you think about his frame? Like, Do you think this, this guy's going to fill out because he is super skinny? He is, and I, I actually got a chance to see him up close and personal. Um, I scouted the Delaware Blue Coats against the G League Unite about the end of January, which was when a lot of buzz was coming out about how he had grown. A lot of people thought he had grown past his listed 6'6 height. I agree with that. I don't know if he's 6'8". That, that neck might be helping him out a little bit. Has a, <laughs> has a really long neck, but he's definitely grown to at least 6'7". But body looks upper body looks good. I think he's overall he's going to really fill out, pack on about another 10, 15 pounds of muscle over the next few years pretty safely. And physically, I expect him to be able to handle the rigors of the NBA, which will help him not only guard ones and twos in the backcourt, but also handle more of those bigger threes. I really think he's going to be a one through three, pretty safe bet to be a plus defender at all those positions. Yeah, and that's something the Thunder will need 
Yeah. Um, for sure. A guy with length, athleticism. Um, you got to, okay. So anytime I tweet anything about who the Thunder should take at 12 or who people like at 12, for whatever reason, Thunder Twitter is obsessed with Tari Eason. Like, absolutely obsessed. And I've watched him some. Um, I haven't done my deep dive on him yet. Um, me and my co-host, Michele Bear, on Mondays do a deep dive for our Patreon show and haven't gotten to him yet. But uh, give me a sneak preview of Tari Eason. Um, oh, give me your thoughts. I don't know if you want to have me on the podcast and necessarily talk up Tari Eason. I'm not th- um, I, I, am, I am honestly a little confused at like the hype. Uh, 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 from the fan base. Okay. Um, so just help. I'm. I am. I'm directionless right now with Tarius, and I'm willing to go in, in in any direction with him. So little little sneak preview for the down the dunk fans. I haven't fully unveiled my big board, my latest edition of my big board yet, which I will over multiple draft deeper episodes over the next few weeks. I have him at 17 right now. Okay. And I've kind of had him in that 16 to 17 range for a while. I think that's best for him. Now again. Top 20 prospect. It's not that I don't think he's going to be a good NBA player. I do. But a lot of the hype that's been around him on draft Twitter regarding having him inside the top 10, those are some of the questions that where I have concerns about because I've watched enough Tarius in LSU film. We know the jump shot's a question. He shot a little bit better second half of the year for LSU, shot close to 80% from the free-throw line. So I know some of those numbers, but – when you watch the film, you go back and examine enough, you know the jump shot's going to be a question coming in, right? He's a guy, a lot of his numbers around the basket and overall from the field go into some of the synergy percentiles. They're excellent, but they come from these wide open lane opportunities in transition or these wide open cuts where he just has nothing to do in front of him but dunk the basketball, mm-hmm. right? When he does get somebody in front of him at the basket, when he has to go up against similar size, bigger size, or I've even seen him have some struggles against other guards, when he has to finish through contact, that touch isn't there, Andrew. And that's that's something that really concerns me. So if he's not going to be a consistent shooter from three-point range, um, has trouble pulling up in the mid-range on, on a jump shot, and then when he gets to the basket, if there's anybody in his way to stop him, and he has trouble finishing in those situations. In half-court situations, we see it all the time in the playoffs. What kind of an offensive player is he going to be? And then you factor in how much he gambles on defense. Like, he can be awesome playing passing lanes, rotating over, help weak side block shots. But he's a big gambler. When he loses those gambles, that's going to hurt his team as well and drive, drive a coach potentially a little nuts. So there's just that he has awesome body, six foot eight, really long arms, one of the better plus top shelf athletes in this draft class. Awesome foundation to work with, but just some of those skill things that I brought up, some of those concerns I have when it becomes a half court game, how effective is he going to be, especially early on in his career? So that's why I think mid first round range is probably a little better than having him close to the top 10, for example. You have a comp for him? So this is, I don't know if this is going to impress you or it's going to be like, wow, where did he pull this one out from? Um, but I was trying to think of a comp a few months ago on my podcast, and I actually did a show with Chuck over from Chucking Darts, and him and I were talking about Tari Eason. I thought of the name James Johnson. And okay. you go you go back, you look at the numbers. They're eerily similar in terms of their second-year college seasons. James Johnson went 16th overall in mm-hmm. his draft. So that's another reason why I think having Tari Eason in that same range, I don't think it's a bad thing. But 
it's I believe that's an argument for Tari Eason because James Johnson has been a very, very serviceable NBA player for quite the number of years. Um, that very same athletic forward loved to be a defensive playmaker when he was in college, get a little bit of the same thing from Tari Eason, an athletic guy able to finish around the basket. And then if the jumper's there for him, I mean, those were some of the things we said about James Johnson as well. So interesting comp, maybe, maybe some for your audience to go back and dig into the numbers a little bit, but very eerily similar numbers. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's, uh, let's go back to the top of this draft. Let's say yes. there, there is some luck for the Thunder, and they wind up number one. Who's the best fit for OKC at number one, uh, in your opinion? I, so I have Chet Holmgren number one on my board. Okay. But I think best fit may very well be Jabari Smith. Okay. Um, and I was just on an OKC Thunder podcast about two weeks ago, and I said the same thing because you guys just need shot makers. You need shot makers and shooting from all over the floor. And regardless of some of the upside concerns you may have about Jabari Smith, is he a number one option? Can he develop into a number one option? I would lean towards the answer of no. Mm-hmm. But – at the same time, you have Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's more than capable of being a number one option in terms of scoring the basketball. Josh Giddy can get you the ball from any angle you could possibly think of. He can play off of so many different guys in that offense, and he's would be the surest thing on the perimeter of Giddy or Shea come off the screen at the top. They get to the next level of defense. They look to kick it out. They don't have the same level of concerns they might with some of the other guys on the team, too. If I kick the ball out to this guy, is he going to knock down the jump shot? You know that he's going to knock down the jump shot. 40-plus three-point percentage um, on the season. So I buy Jabari Smith being the cleanest fit offensively. And then defense, you talked about it, man. You want you want size, length, and defensive versatility all over the floor. He gives you that as well. So I think Jabari Smith might be the best fit for the Thunder. Yeah, they definitely need play finishers. And yep. What I like it's a great I, great term to use with Jabari Smith, even though he's yeah. more perimeter based, but a play finisher. Yeah, and I, I feel like in it, in whatever day it is, I can talk myself into Chet, Jabari, or Apollo. I I, I like all three of them. They're all yeah. so different. It's it's a really fun draft because they're all just so different. They're tough to compare. And I've talked to people around the NBA that. Like some people love Jabari and they think that he's clearly the best guy. And then some people think that Chet's clearly the best guy. Like nobody has a consensus. So uh, this will be not only will the lottery be interesting, but man, the draft draft night is going to be could be pretty wild because I don't. There's a few teams that I know who they would take, but you know, there's a lot of mystery out there too. I don't. I feel like the Thunder would take Chet Holmgren. Um, I don't know that for sure. But to me, he feels thundery in that he's versatile. Um, he's a weirdo player, in which I think the Thunder kind of relish these kind of strange players that can fit into their scheme. Um, so, yeah, and they love, I mean, Sam Presti is like a known Gonzaga lover too. So mm-hmm. I think it might be tough for him to, uh, to turn this guy down. 
But why do I get the feeling like you guys want to fall to the fourth slot to be able to take Shane Sharp at number four? Uh, why, I don't. Why, why do I get that impression? Not me. Not me. <laughs> not me. Do not put me in that camp. I know a lot of Thunder fans feel that way. I'm well aware of that. That scares the absolute crap out of me. Like I, I like the idea of Shade and Sharp, but that's all we've got. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. That's a lot of eggs in a basket that might have a big hole in the bottom of it. I don't know. So if you guys fell to number four and all of Chet, Paolo, and Jabari were off the board, who, who would you want to take? See, I, Ugh. this was a debate I, I've had on multiple fronts where. Jay Nivey would probably be like the fourth guy left on yeah. the majority of people's boards. Yeah. I think I would still go BPA in that situation versus opt for the best fit. But how how would you handle that? Oh, I think you have to. I think the Thunder are just, they lack talent right now. And so I think you just have to take who you think is the most talented player. And I don't I know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> you can tell me. You could talk me into Keegan Murray. You could talk me into... AJ Griffin, I watched a lot of Ben Matherin recently, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know, he's kind of interesting. Like, they're it, all these guys are so different, and they have huge holes in their games, and they also have a lot of these guys have big upside, and you know, I don't, I don't know that I buy all of the the videos that Shaden Sharp puts on Twitter. Um, I think it's all propaganda, honestly. Like, I'm actually, I, I, I don't like it. I don't like that he's doing that. Um, because I just, what are we supposed to believe with, with that? You think, are we, do we think that he's going to set a record for how high someone's jumped in the draft process? Like, I don't know. That looks a little bit fake to me. And you think he's actually going to be measured and do all that stuff? Like, heck no. Like he's, he is all mystery and it's all playing out. So it feels like it's playing out well for him. We'll see how it goes on draft night. Um, there's still a lot of me that would, if, if Sam wanted to take the risk and take Shaden, like fine. Um, but man, I don't know. Where do you, where do you land on Shaden Sharp? Because I, I, I have no idea what to think about him. So for the no ceilings collective, no ceilings, NBA.com, I was the guy who stepped up to the plate to write the Shane Sharp piece. And I've told everybody who will listen to me that that was one of the hardest things I've had to write in a long time. Because there's not much film available. You can go back and watch some of the U16 stuff um, that we have available to us on Instap. But really, it's the Dream City Christian stuff that we're watching. You have to be careful. You can't be too high on a guy playing against high schoolers. You can't be too low on a guy playing against high schoolers. And there's the 6'6", the explosive athleticism, the awesome off-ball play, the the -the on-the-ball stuff and the pick-and-roll as far as his shooting range and his comfort level taking those shots. We're talking about star potential of the highest order when he gets to the NBA, but you got to be very patient with him when he gets there. Like I, all of the pick and roll film I watched on him in high school, I think I saw him pass the ball once out of those situations and that's it. Like he doesn't have the vision to operate as a playmaker out of those. And then defense, I, I don't expect much from young guys coming to the NBA defense wise, but he's just another one of those examples. You got to be very patient with his development overall. So it could be an absolute boom prospect. He could be the best, prospect in this draft class i'm not going to rule that out for him but it before you even start sniffing that ceiling you got to give him some time and will are the thunder fans going to want to wait and give him some time i mean i know that's kind of been the mantra for you guys over the last few years by default but i think at some point you have shea 
Gibby's shown himself to be a really good asset. Like, you, I feel like you guys are going to want to win games, and I think you probably have a chance to win games quicker with one of those top three guys right now next season than with Shane Sharp. But I don't know. I don't know how you, how the fan base honestly feels about that proposition. Yeah, I would be I would be fine with it. I think that they need another year before they really try to win. And, and he's my VTA, too. He would be the guy number four. I think I have him ahead of Jay Nivey right now. So if we're talking okay. VPA, I think he would be the guy. Okay. Okay, Hoopsock69. Listen, I'm not a hater. I, you can't hate something that you don't know exists. Like, I got this box right here. Let's just say I couldn't even open this box, and it's like, what could be in the box? I don't know what's in the box. I don't hate what's in the box, but I can't say, like, man... I really think a billion dollars is in here. I think a billion could fit in here. You think? I don't know. I don't know. And, I mean, and I'm the guy who wrote the piece, and I, I don't even know the full answer to the question either. So I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame you. It's a tough proposition. And I'm not saying that I don't think they should take him. There's a world where, yes, you should, because you should take the highest upside player in absolutely. this draft. If you're at like five, six, or seven, and he's there, I mean, there's... I think you should. I think you should do it. But would I be horrified to push that button? Yes. Yes. I would be sweating. Um, you have to be. Yeah, it's, it is terrifying. Um, okay, let's talk more prospects. Let's, let's say at 12. Yeah. Um, who do you like in that range? Maybe not necessarily for the Thunder, but like who do you, who do you like in that range altogether? And then we can talk Thunder. So... Guy who I've been talking up on every podcast I've been on for the last three weeks, who I still think is going to be available in that range, Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. Don't know how much Malachi Branham film you've watched, but I can tell you going going back and digging through a lot of his film, looking at the numbers, he's one of the most efficient guard prospects that I've evaluated in quite some time and has very few weaknesses, in my opinion, offensively. He's one of these guys – you go back and watch him at Ohio State. If, if teams didn't focus on him in the game plan, right, or if they thought that they could get away with putting somebody on him who maybe isn't the best defender or going under on screens on him or whatever the case may be, if they weren't paying attention to how closely they were guarding him, he was burning people at Ohio State. And I know that I remember when he had that 30-plus point game against Nebraska and then he had another really good game, and I'm like, pump the brakes like he's a freshman like he had two really good games and see if he does this for the second half of the year he did he delivered in a big way for Ohio State he was arguably at times their best player on the floor even better than EJ Liddell at times who I think EJ Liddell probably is a case of the top 20 pick it's 6-5 guard can operate out of pick and roll much better pass than they give him credit for true three-level scorer and that type of scorcher perimeter player who if he's like your fourth offensive option he still has the, he's the ability to go out and burn you for 20 or 30 points on any given night. I think a lot of NBA teams would be very happy having a player like that in tow. Hmm. It's very interesting. There's a lot of players uh, in this range that I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, let's, let's do this. Let's do hypothetical. Sure. Sam Presti on draft night comes to your house. <laughs> All right. I need your help. I've got a bunch of these guys that, that I like. Let's say it's Malachi Branham, Johnny Davis, um, and Ben Matherin. Say between sure. those three. Who are you taking? And I, I need you to, he's Sam says, I like all of them. I just need you to pick which one you think would be best for us. 
I'm going to give the answer not only in relation to the Thunder and what I think Presti should do, but also in relation to my board. I would have Johnny Davis, the highest out of the three of them. Okay. And I think Johnny Davis has gotten a bad rap, especially towards the end of the season. He was hurt, but it's not only just the injury stuff, Andrew. He, I, I don't know of a lottery prospect in this draft who had to carry as much of a burden on both ends of the floor as Johnny Davis had to do over the course of the season. And it didn't surprise me when some of the injury stuff came down because my body would probably break down too if I had as much responsibility on both sides of the ball as he did. Um, But we're talking about very close, 6'4 and a half, 6'5", three-level shot maker, very adept at getting up and shot in the mid-range. I know some people have questions about the three-point shot, finished out at about 33% on the year. I think he's going to be fine from three-point range in time that's going to come around for him. But – much better passer than given credit for. And then another one of these guys guarding ones and twos, you want him playing defense for you in the backcourt. And when he gets into an NBA system way, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands every single time down the floor. When he has two other guys around him who can create for him and allow him to operate a lot easier off the ball. And he has NBA level space to work with when he's not in the crowded situation that was Wisconsin. He doesn't have big 10 guys, two or three big 10 guys coming up to him to defend him at one point when he just has the freedom to be able to work with other players of his talent or better than him. I can only imagine what some of the results are going to be. And that's why I think Johnny Davis has become really undervalued at this point in the draft cycle. Yeah. I'm beginning. I, I did a deep dive on him recently and I'm beginning to open up my mind to him playing next to Shea and Giddy and kind of being this interesting, you know, auxiliary player that can shoot past yep. the dribble and score. And uh, he's, in, he is interesting because I, I think one thing that Thunder fans need to start doing is like understanding that there's two building blocks. It's Shea and it's Giddy. That yep. every, you can throw everybody else in a pot and somebody in that pot is going to be good. That's going to happen. But if you're selecting in the top 12, like yeah. don't, don't allow those other guys to determine what you do with your pick. Like don't, Thank allow, you. don't allow Lou Dort or Trey Mann or any of those guys determine who you're going to select. Um, and that's why like you need to at least have an open mind to picking Johnny Davis. Johnny Davis doesn't scream thunder player to me, but like keep your, keep an open mind with it because the thunder don't have a ton of keepers right now. And they're looking to hopefully get two keepers in the top 12 this, this year. Yeah. And I think that they're, this, this draft is interesting because it, it's not like the strongest draft, but there are a lot of guys that I've started to really like, um, especially in the top 12. Like I think that they have a chance to get two pretty legit prospects. Who's like your favorite guy? in that number 12 range. Cause like there's, I mean, there's, there's Jalen Duran could possibly be there. Like yeah. Usman Jang has really shot up a lot of people's boards, mine included. Like who's your guy in that range? I really like Sohan. I just really like the way that he plays. I, the shooting stuff is terrifying, but the, the size, the defense, the ability to create and being, I think that he, I don't think he's 19 yet. Is he? Um, He's crazy young. He's going to be 19 on draft night. He was 18 for pretty much all of the college yeah. season. So. And he's he's a beast. Um, yeah, I like I like him. I don't know that I love him for the Thunder just because like you can't keep piling on non shooters to this team. Like you just can't keep adding non shooters. Um, but I do really like him. Um, what do you think of Jang? Like, what? Give me some. Give me some Jang thoughts. 
So he was a guy I I neglected to go back and watch the second half of his year for a while because I saw the first half and I was a little horrified at times to the point where I didn't even know if this guy was going to be in the 2022 NBA draft. But I heard enough people say that they went back, watched the second half tape. They're like, go, go back and check him out. I'm like, all right, I'll finally do it. So I did my deep dive. And then I did a podcast a few weeks ago where I talked about Jang. And you watch that second half film in New Zealand, you start to really see it all coming together. He had at least three standout performances for the team. 6'10 now, very long shot maker from the perimeter, underrated passer, can play and score out of pick and roll. The thing that I was hung up on that I've talked myself through is I think my concerns I have with Jang on both sides of the ball come back to his body and his physical makeup. But I, he's slender right now, but his body doesn't strike me as one that won't be able to fill out and add at least another 10, 15 pounds. He keeps getting stronger. Then guys aren't able to go through him as easily on the defensive end. He's going to be able to get downhill, draw some contact, get to the free throw line more often than just having to settle for all of these perimeter jump shots, as many as he's taking. Um, once those things start to come together for him body-wise, two, three years down the road, Andrew, you could be talking about a potential star player like he has a lot of similarities in his game to like a Paul George type of player and if you want to acknowledge that level of a ceiling and he's still there at number 12 that seems to me like the Sam Presti target at number 12 if I'm being honest yeah and his name is Usman wouldn't you like to have an (laughs) Usman on your team I think I would heck yeah yeah he's he's very very intriguing to me um obviously there's a lot of mystery with him too but I mean the Thunder would like to draft international players, you know, and he, he is an international player that has a ton of upside and they need, they need guys that are like six, seven to six, 10 that can play on the wing. You know, they don't don't really have that going on with their roster right now. Um, And again, just being able to play off of somebody like Giddy who would get him the ball in all the right situations too. He wouldn't have to create every single possession. He could, he could spot up effectively from the corners from day one. Mm -hmm. If you got Giddy getting him the ball in the perimeter. Yep. Uh, let's say the Thunder are at six on draft night, um, and you have to choose between Keegan Murray and A.J. Griffin. Who are you taking? I would take Keegan Murray. I've I've actually come down on A.J. Griffin a little bit of late, okay. um, but I, I have stayed steady on Keegan Murray. He's another guy I got to saw in person this year when I went to go scout Rutgers against Iowa. He, he impressed me defensively the entire game. I think I saw him miss one rotation over the course of the entire game. Incredibly smart defender at the forward spot. And he's a guy, I think there's more to be unlocked with him offensively. And you might look at me and say, I'm crazy. He was like a 20-plus points per game scorer at Iowa. Like, what? what's more to unlock? What didn't he show you? I just think he'd be a lot more comfortable in NBA spacing. When he can catch the ball, get to his spots, and operate out of those spots to where he, another guy like Johnny Davis, he wasn't crowded all the time, every single time he touched the ball, immediately. I think he could thrive in those mid-range type of situations, similar to what we've seen with Franz Wagner this year with the Orlando Magic, right? Like, Franz is a better prospect, don't get me wrong. He's a much better long-term prospect than Keegan was. But I had questions about Franz's handle at Michigan. I didn't know how much he wanted him to do in volume off the bounce. And you just saw the NBA spacing just open up brand new doors for him. And you saw him be this, at times, dominant offensive scoring threat just his first year in the nba i think a much more experienced player like he can come in and thrive even more 
in some of those same situations. And I just think he's a guy who's being slept on because of his age, because he's not the sexiest prospect, because we don't see him doing all of these amazing step back shots off the dribble, but just go and evaluate what he can do when he does catch the ball and get to his spots and then throw in the defense. And I just think Keegan Murray is one of the most complete players in this draft class that everybody's been sleeping on. How do you feel about the Tobias Harris comp with him? I love it. That's an upside comp I've given to people who are much smarter than me, who want to know more about these draft prospects. I said his upside could be like a Tobias Harris type of player, which is a guy you can't sleep on. Like his his year with the Clippers before he ended up getting traded to Philadelphia, that's such a hard ceiling for players to get to. Like if that's the type of player you can draft in Keegan Murray, that's a max contract player, somebody who you should be excited about having in your franchise. Yeah. And even now, he's he has been really, really good in round two. Absolutely. As a 76ers guy, I'm very happy to see him come around for, yeah. for my team. So Yeah, he's pl- he's played really well. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining. You joined literally at the last second, and uh, I'm really thankful that you could come on our show. Uh, be sure to follow Nathan on Twitter at Draft deeper go check out everything at no ceilings anything else to plug before we go uh yeah definitely no ceilings nba.com absolutely free to access all of our written work online you can follow that collective as well on twitter at no ceilings nba and then yeah check out the draft deeper podcast wherever you get your podcast i'm hoping to have you on pretty soon andrew be hopefully cooking that one up soon we will definitely make that happen thanks nathan absolutely thanks boss